MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Today, Mark Meadows has revoked his cooperation with the 1-6 committee. Sean Spicer can't force his way back onto the naval board. New evidence emerges in the Durham case against Sussman. An arrest has been made in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. The Senate Armed Services Committee has gutted protections for sexual assault survivors. And the 1-6 committee subpoenas phone records for Meadows and about 100 others. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Hello. Hello, my friend. Happy Wednesday. We're halfway through. Got a little hump day for you. Yes, hump day action. I've got great news today and I've got really shitty news today. Oh, boy. Give us the bad news and then the good news. (laughs) And then we got some in-between news. It's just like sort of news. Later in the show, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Eliza Nemzer. She's the director for Climate Changemakers, this really awesome organization everybody needs to know about. A couple of quick breaking stories. An arrest has been made in Paris of one of the actual hitmen that murdered Jamal Khashoggi. So no, it's not Kushner. (laughs) <laughs> but but one of the actual hit squad that was there. Wouldn't it be lovely, though, if they traded information? Like, they're still going down for it, but they started talking. Mm, yeah, that would be interesting, uh, particularly given it was Turkey who made the arrest. And so I don't think Turkey has any power over us. True. But that doesn't mean what they find out can't be handed over to our Department of Justice, if there is anything to hand over. Sure. Generally, these these hitmen guys are just born to go to jail. And also, lawyers for Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman is the guy who was indicted by Barr's special counsel, John Durham, who was appointed to investigate the oranges of the Russia probe. Well, Sussman, in discovery from Durham, was given a couple of interviews, transcripts of interviews from the Department of Justice uh, when they interviewed Jim Baker about that situation where Sussman came in and handed over the, you know, the Alpha Bank communication server information. And Durham indicted Sussman for lying to Jim Baker. But Jim Baker is the only witness to that conversation. And according to these two interviews, they have conflicting recollection of the discussion oh, interesting. at the center of the indictment, which effectively destroys Durham's case. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Oopsie. And that's why we don't rush to indict people. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> take that again. That's why we take our time. Mm-hmm. Of course, that took two years, but they were just desperately looking for anything. And I'll go over this in depth on this Sunday's Muller She Wrote podcast. So those are the breaking stories. And I have a feeling this week we're going to have a lot of breaking stories in the discussion before we get to the hot notes, because it's just a, a <laughs> bananas news week. So speaking of hot notes, let's do that. Hot notes. <laughs> yeah, my segues are strong. Hey, today. every once in a while, you're just like, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's just play the sounds. Uh, All right. All right. Former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows will no longer cooperate with the House Select Committee investigating January 6th. And that's according to a letter from his new attorney to the January 6th commission, which was obtained by CNN on Tuesday. Quote, we agreed to provide thousands of pages of responsive documents. And Mr. Meadows was willing to appear voluntarily not under compulsion of the select committee subpoenaed to him for a deposition to answer questions about non-privileged matters. Now actions by the select committee have made such an appearance untenable. That's George J. Terwilliger the second. I thought he was the third. (laughs) Anyway, he said, in short, we now have every indication from the information supplied to us last Friday, upon which Mr. Meadows could expect to be questioned, that the select committee has no intention of respecting boundaries. (laughs) You're not respecting my boundaries around executive privilege that I made up. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, they took the 6,000 plus documents that he sent over. They went through formulated questions, sent them back to Meadows' new lawyer, Terwilliger. And he's like, oh, no, yeah, we don't want to answer these. (laughs) That's pretty much what happened. And I'm sure they got a call from Mar-a-Lago. And that's why I'm sure Meadows has a new lawyer. The committee said later Tuesday it will move forward with a deposition today 
And if he doesn't show up, they'll hold him in contempt. And that's sort of why they went forward with the scheduled deposition is because they're they're basically setting up a path to hold him in criminal contempt, make that referral, just like happened to Bannon. Quote, tomorrow's deposition, which was scheduled at Mr. Meadows' request, will go forward as planned. If indeed Mr. Meadows refuses to appear, this select committee will be left no choice but to advance contempt proceedings and recommend that the body in which Mr. Meadows once served refer him for criminal prosecution. I love that little bit of shade. Yes. That is a joint statement from Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, who are the chairs of the committee. So that's what's going on with Mr. Meadows. And I have been wondering, like, Dana, like, he doesn't seem to know what the fuck is in his own book. No. Because he's claiming executive privilege on stuff that he's published in a book. Oh, God. That wouldn't be amazing if he didn't actually read the final, like, so he had a ghostwriter and never actually read the final <laughs> book, which is totally a possibility. That's what I tweeted. I tweeted, I wonder if he's got a rogue ghostwriter or just didn't proof the final thing and Ugh. has no idea what was in his book. Because he's like, Oh, yeah. No, no. Trump's right. That is fake news. Oh, God, uh, it would be so good. <laughs> like he just didn't even read his own book. We can only hope. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him. To I wouldn't not do that. either. We've got all of that from what you just gave us. And now the House Select Committee is also investigating the January 6th riot. They formally subpoenaed the phone records of more than 100 people. 100 people, which is a substantial number that includes former Trump officials and associates of the ex-president, such as his one-time chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is in a lot of shit, just all the way around. And that's according to multiple sources familiar with this matter. So the committee has already begun reviewing some data from phone providers, and that's from sources. Now, let me explain. The records do not include the content. Like, it's not going to be like, hey, Trump, I'll see you at the the Capitol riot at at four o'clock. The records are not going to include content of the calls, but rather their details about who called or texted whom, when those occurred, and for how long. So giving them the ability to draw a web of communications before, during, and after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. So they are putting together a puzzle at this point. Congressional investigators, they also believe this data will help them piece together communications between those in former President Donald Trump's official orbit and the people who organized the rally that preceded the Capitol attack and rioters who participated in the violence. So while the records do not conclude information about the substance of those communications, the panel believes it may be able to learn those details from individuals who are cooperating with the investigation. So, yeah. And their phones. Like if you still have the text record on your phone. Absolutely. I would love to see some texts and calls between Bobert and like, you know, the people she gave tours to. And well, we have been able to see, right, a lot of these text messages that have been revealed from Kimberly Guilfoyle. Yep. We've seen text messages from Kylie and Amy Kremer to the people who organized the rally at the Ellipse. And those were handed over by that Stockton guy and his fiance, Jennifer Lawrence, not that Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) And uh, and so these people who are cooperating have text messages on their phones. And if if the select committee can verify that that those communications are real and authentic and that they took place, then they can be admitted into evidence and hopefully sent up to the Department of Justice for criminal referrals. Fingers crossed. What a beautiful thing. Now, one of the reps told Jake Tapper, as you know, this is a gigantic puzzle. We've got many pieces. We need to put some more pieces together. And that was Rep Zoe Lofgren. So she was talking to Jake on Tuesday. She continued to say this is not the content of any of the text or phone calls. It's the time, place, and data. It's really metadata. And it will help us put together a picture. So that's very clear on what we are getting, what we're not getting at this time. Sources tell CNN that most of the phone records subpoenaed by the committee belong to individuals who have also been looked at by the Justice Department for their actions on January 6th. But the panel has also requested communications of some people in Trump's inner circle, as we said, like Meadows. So we'll see what's going to happen there. Yeah. And again, the you know, I know everyone's grilled down and focused on hold these people in criminal contempt, hold them in contempt, do it now, do it fast. And that's cool and fine. And I agree they should be done fast. We found out Bannon's trial is set for fucking July 18th of next year because the feds, the next available court date was in April because the courts are backed up and Bannon wanted October. So the judge compromised and said, July is right in the middle. Well, there you have it. And so a lot of people are upset about that. And rightfully so. It's taking for a lot. There's backlogs in the courts. There's, you know, a lot of this is taking a very long time to get all this right. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, everybody, just be patient. I mean, it, it, there's a lot that, that's sort of 
you know, resting on whether or not these things get done. But if somebody is held in criminal contempt, uh, you know, I've I've kind of seen people be like, well, you know, oh, that's eight months from now. And during that whole time, Bannon can just be out spreading his lies. Yes, that's a concern. But if the trial were fucking tomorrow, Bannon would be out of prison by the end of January and would be back out on the street spreading lies again. Like that, like I, I want people to think beyond convictions and and things like that to what happens next. Do you, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it would be great. And I, it would actually send a, a, a message that you will be held accountable faster. And that would be cool and important. But I think everybody knows that the court is backlogged and that this kind of shenanigans, they were going to happen anyway. But, you know, and there's there's really not much we can do about the delay, delay, delay shit because of due process, right? Federal criminal due process rights that are given to and guaranteed by the Constitution to criminal defendants so that we don't just lock people up for no fucking reason. Yeah. Which somehow still seems to happen anyway. Of but, course. You know, depends on what color your skin is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, this is the uh, news that got me today. I'm sorry you even have to report this, AG. And I'm going to give a content warning for a sexual assault for this story. The NDAA is out. That's the National Defense Authorization Act. And as I feared, they gutted Senator Gillibrand's military justice reforms for sexual assault and other violent crimes. The provisions were initially a standalone bill that was put on the floor, uh, presented by Joni Ernst, and, and Kirsten Gillibrand. And it had 66 co-sponsors in the Senate. 66. Easily passable. But Chuck Schumer Absolutely. wouldn't bring it to a vote. Because Jack Reed, Democrat from Rhode Island, wanted the bill to be part of, of his committee. He wanted it to go through his committee, the Senate Armed Services Committee, so that it could be subsumed into the National Defense Authorization Act, further delaying it, further delaying the relief that's brought by the bill. And Gillibrand was concerned that that committee would mark up the provisions. And they did. They've marked it up. So they're keeping the decision to prosecute sexual assaults in the military in the chain of command, which gives survivors no safe place to report their assaults. And the Senate Armed Services Committee gutted the provisions despite Biden, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, the Military Sexual Assault Commission that was assembled by Biden and 66 fucking senators recommending the decision to prosecute be taken out of the chain of command because of conflicts of interest. Often your rapist is in the chain of command. And if this isn't corrected, Senator Jack Reed will have effectively deemed rape an occupational hazard for military members. Jesus. Given that abortion is under attack in Texas now and by extreme right wing Supreme Court folks next summer for everyone. You can see the disastrous outcomes for so many people. And I can personally, if this if this doesn't get corrected, I can no longer in good conscience recommend anyone join the military. I don't blame you. If we don't have if they don't have a safe haven, a place where if something goes terribly wrong, violent, there's what's the, I don't mean to say what's the point. They're serving this country. They should be protected by this country. Yeah. And to. Military sexual assaults go underreported, so underreported. Mine, I didn't report. Yeah. Because my chain of command scared me out of it because they didn't want it on their record. I hope this can be fixed. Are there steps to fixing this, AG? I mean, well, we've been trying to do this for 10 years. Um, but the only thing I could think is to call to call your representatives. Call Jack Reed. Yeah. And say, why, why are you allowing rape to be a, an occupational hazard in the military? I think that would be one hell of a phone call, one hell of a message too. Thank you for that. Again, I'm sorry you had to report that story to us. I do want to try and shift the energy a little bit. So if you will, and you don't mind, can I get some schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Now, here you go. A federal judge blocked former White House press secretary Sean Spicer and ex-officer of management and budget director Russell Voigt from returning to the board of the U.S. Naval Academy while they sue, while they sue President Joe Biden over their ousting from the panel. Now, U.S. District Judge Dabney Friedrich in Washington denied the motion by Spicer and Voigt for a preliminary injunction that would have forced Biden to return them to the board while the lawsuit proceeds. Now, the former Trump administration officials, they sued in September after they were terminated. So Friedrich, who is a Trump appointee? So let's remember that. Rejected the claim that Biden's removal of Spicer and Voight would, quote, silence dissenting views on the board. 
which advises the president on the, quote, state of morale and discipline at the Naval Academy, as well as its curriculum, physical equipment, and fiscal affairs. Now, that's according to an order filed on Saturday. So Spicer and Voigt give no indication that their views on the governance of the Naval Academy actually differ from the other board members, the judge wrote, which is hilarious. (laughs) You're not special. Yeah, there's no proof of this. So don't argue that point, nor do they explain how it would serve the public interest to present advice to the president, the primary function of the board, that the president does not intend to consider. So why would you (laughs) give him advice if you think he's going to fucking ignore it? I want all the Navy boats painted red. And yeah, fuck off. We don't need you. (laughs) The men are represented by American First Legal Foundation, and that's a nonprofit set up by the former guy, his administration's officials, including Stephen Miller, Mark Meadows, and Gene Hamilton, now the organization's general counsel. So you can you can see where that's going. What I find interesting, and and correct me if I'm wrong, AG, these are not paid positions on the board. These are just for the input to, to give them advice, correct? So the only reason I could think, other than just their ego, that they would be upset and wouldn't want to be reinstated is if they are getting money elsewhere from people that maybe would like to influence their views on what should happen in this particular part of the government. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if these are paid that positions. That is just, yep, that's just or if they're honorariums. Yeah. But much like a senator or a representative, if it is paid, it's not paid very well, and that's not where all your money comes from. Exactly. That's a very, very good point. So no need to correct you. You are not wrong, my friend. Fantastic. I love hearing that from women. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear it enough. <laughs> Men, whatever. Men, whatever. But I do enjoy when women tell me that I'm right. You are right. And thank you. I needed that schadenfreude got after it. today. Got and it. don't worry, I'm not going to stop fighting. Oh, I know. You know. Not even a question in my mind. Arm in arm with uh, Senator Gillibrand. Yeah. I, I just don't even understand why Chuck Schumer wouldn't bring the fucking thing to a vote. They had 66 votes. Why not bring the standalone bill? Because Jack Reed wanted something, and I guess Schumer didn't want to piss off Jack Reed. I still haven't gotten an answer from Chuck Schumer as to why he didn't bring that bill that had overwhelming bipartisan support, and you could get put a W in the, you know, put a check mark in the win column for democracy yeah. and bipartisanship. You think he owes at least an explanation? I mean, hey, make a phone call to that. I would love to hear it. That and, you know, protecting people from getting raped in the military. Yeah. Um, well, there's that. Uh, JFC, as they say on Twitter. OK. <laughs> anyway, I did need that shot for you to thank you. We will be right back with Eliza Nesmer of Climate Change Makers right after this. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Beans. Consider how many hours we spend sitting at our desks or on the couch watching TV. But what if you could turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories and get fit? That's exactly what I'm doing thanks to my new QB. That's QB, C-U-B-I-I. And it's a compact elliptical unit that fits easily under my desk so that I can be pedaling my feet and getting a workout while I'm sitting here at my computer. In fact, I'm using it right now while I'm recording this, this commercial. But you can't hear it because it's whisper quiet. It's super easy on your joints, and a recent clinical study confirms it burns 84% more energy than sitting alone. We all say I'd work out more if I only had more time. Well, QB makes it easy to burn calories and stay active anytime and virtually anywhere. In fact, I set my QB up in front of the couch, too, to burn some calories while I'm watching TV. QB is also a perfect solution for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs someone to help improve circulation and keep active. So if you have a parent or loved one who has limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy, QB would be an excellent holiday gift this season. I love my QB and I know you will too. Take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial and turn your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB. Visit QB.com slash beans to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you. That's QB, C-U-B-I-I dot com slash beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Scribd. The struggle to find just the right new book or podcast is real. There's almost an infinite amount of content today. I usually spend as much time looking for my next book as I do actually reading it. But not anymore, thanks to Scribd. With Scribd, you can get instant access to millions of ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, court documents, and more, along with thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what you've read, which makes choosing your next book that much simpler. And it's all for one low monthly subscription price. The ultimate reading subscription service really it lets you explore all of your interests in any format for just $9.99 a month. That is lower than the cost of a single book. I love using Scribd. I get to discover must-read new work from celebrated authors premiering exclusively on Scribd, like Roxanne Gay, 
And when I want to change things up, I'm free to switch between titles, genres, and formats on any time that I want on my tablet, phone, or computer, wherever I'm reading. And right now, we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash AG for your free trial. That's try.scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D, dot com slash AG to get 60 days of Scribd for free. Hey, everybody. I'm happy to be joined today by the Executive Director for Climate Changemakers. Please welcome Dr. Eliza Nemzer. Hello, Eliza. How are you? Hi, Allison. I'm hanging in there. How about you? Mm, Same. We had a little pre-discussion about hanging in there. (laughs) We are at the tipping point for so many things right now, if not beyond it. And mitigation, uh, there's just, you know, the, the pace at which government works is can be a problem. And so that's why there are organizations like Climate Change Makers is to mobilize the people because we are actually the government here in this in this United States. And so we do have a job to do. So tell us a little bit about the job you're doing with uh, what prompted you to start Climate Change Makers and, and tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Well, my previous job was as a geoscientist and I used to work on earthquakes. First for assessing earthquake hazards at critical structures and then increasingly assessing earthquakes from fracking. Um, So my work moved further and further out of alignment with my values until I hit a wall and I decided I needed to get involved in politics, involved in climate. And then clearly to me that it that needed to be getting involved in politics because it's a political problem. Very clear. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I was involved in climate politics and um, organizing for climate candidates and advocating for policies and looking around and realizing that there weren't that enough people engaged in the work. So, you know, there's the grassroots, um, which is growing and incredible. And then there's the grass tops, which is rarefied and exclusive and out of reach for many. And yet they use advocacy strategies that are really effective. And I just figured we're not where we need to be. We're not getting where we need to be. Let's engage more people in this. Let's democratize some of these advocacy strategies that have traditionally been pretty confined to the grass tops. And let's just get more people who are concerned, who are losing sleep, like we are, plugged into the real work as effective advocates. Like it's not rocket science. There just aren't that many places for people to plug in and get trained to advocate effectively. So I didn't set out to start a nonprofit, but that's why I set out to to get more people involved and I ended up starting a nonprofit. Yeah, that's an interesting progression too from geoscientist earthquakes and then fracking earthquakes. Because, you know, your first instinct is what's the what's the line from geoscientists studying earthquakes to climate scientists because or climate activists, I should say, because, you know, your, your first thought is, well, we can't do anything about earthquakes. But when you talk about fracking earthquakes, there are actually things that we can do. And you, you mentioned a, a term that I hadn't heard of before. We all have heard grassroots. Can you explain what grass tops are? Sure. Yeah. And that is the word often used to describe kind of the donor class and advocacy that happens through largely donors, but kind of really tapped in, connected folks who have may have relationships directly with policymakers. There are also grass tops organizations. Voices for Progress is a famous one. They do really important work. It's membership fee based and they provide advocacy opportunities to their grass tops members. Oh, excellent. All right. I learned something new today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't learn something new every day. I do. But this is the thing today. So I appreciate that. One of the things. One of the things I think I'm going to learn a little bit more. I want to talk to you about what you're when you discuss the, the real work, because I have found through activism in many different arenas that if you aren't able to engage and and do do things, you know, that that your stress can build up and it can be really bad on your mental health. But I have found that real work, practical application and activism is extremely therapeutic as well. And I found that the returns are greater than the work that you put in sometimes. And I think that that really helps. I know a lot of folks who even just text banking will feel more in control and feel less out of control 
and and uh, less i guess the 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 anxiety can be sort of reworked or or utilized for the greater benefit or the greater good can you talk a little bit about how you sort of put practical real work applications into place to sort of help folks kind of get that sort of feeling of control back yeah definitely so to me, one of the most gratifying things, and you touched on it, is productive work. I mean, that's just like enormously. I think community and productive work are kind of like the most gratifying things outside of, you know, family and, um, you know, long walks in nature and whatever. I mean, that's up there, both community and productive work. So there's a lot of forms of productive climate work because there's a lot of work to do. I think a lot of the productive climate work falls under the umbrella of increasing political will to, I mean, because basically at this point, at this 11th hour, the most impactful way to, to address the climate emergency is by advancing ambitious policy solutions, right? And there isn't sufficient political will to do that. And so that's the pickle. So the work is to build the political power to increase the political will to advance the policy solutions. So, so helping people find a way to spend their time doing productive work, ideally in community with others. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Anecdotally in our community, you hear about people who it's helped their anxiety so much. Personally, it helps mine so much. I mean, and and actually, so the the idea behind climate change makers kind of are cornerstone strategy is this notion of an hour a week. And basically the premise is that we can't click our way to solve this problem, right? Like this isn't something we can solve with three clicks or five seconds or whatever. Like it actually, you got to roll up your sleeves and like put in the work. And, And then not only are you creating real impact, but yeah, but you get to connect with that fulfilled feeling of having put in the real work. It's kind of glorified volunteerism, really. I think about, you know, there there's the Civilian Climate Corps, which is a part of the legislative proposal in terms of the kind of spectrum of climate solutions. I think about rather than having like a certain number of individuals have this be their full-time thing, what about if everyone for an hour a week steps up as like the Climate Corps, right? Yeah, so I th- I just think traditionally volunteers have been underestimated, undervalued. I think we really need to glorify volunteerism, and yeah, and just make there's a lot of best practices to follow. It's not rocket science again to connect to the strategies that are effective to make sure that we're we're spending our time productively, and that's the holy grail: productively spent time, you know, advocating for for climate action. Yeah. And I think advocating for sort of I mean, that's almost like crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, right? Where you just, you know, instead of trying to get one person to give me three million dollars, I get three million people to give me a dollar. And I think that that dovetails really nicely with sort of the way that young people approach problems is through this crowdsourcing, crowdfunding and community work. Have you seen sort of that? Because honestly, I think the, the young people are going to save save this planet. Have you seen sort of a, a click with with youth and youth voters and youth activists for that kind of approach, the one hour a week, the, the sort of community crowdfunding application stuff? I mean, writ large, there's a click with young people and, and climate action. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is collective based. Sunrise Movement has captured a lot of that. So climate change makers is in part because I aged out of Sunrise. And so did many others. And I get it. They have a youth face and there's a reason for that. Of course, there's a lot of people who, uh, yeah, at some point they're like, okay, you're 35 and over. Can we have a check? And you're like, wait, but I want to do real work with you. (laughs) So, but within our community, we certainly have people over 35 and plenty of people who are younger. Like we have a, a healthy dose of millennials, Gen Zers. And I would say, yes, the, during our hours of action, which are these effectively facilitated real-time work sessions. We've learned how to do this like most efficiently. And one of the things we've learned is to have all of the Q&A happen in the chat so people can kind of not get disrupted in their workflow. And the chat is just alive with ideas. Oh, I'm researching this. I'm doing this analysis. Oh, check this out. Here's a link to this Google sheet I just, you know, drummed up. Oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, doing a Twitter post so you guys can help amplify this. Or does anyone know the answer to this? Okay, now I'm going to look into this. I'm like, oh, I found this really good resource. And yes, that is full on 
crowdsourced work, you know, and, and it is, I mean, I'm not one of the younger ones, but clicks for me too. Like it is, it's really, really, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's really inspiring and, and exciting. And, and it's frankly really thrilling to be a part of, and it is, you know, something that gets me out of bed in the morning uh, to be, you know, in community with people doing the work together. Yeah. And I think it's also better to have those sort of smaller realistic chunks instead of like some grand, you know, well, I'm going to wake up and save the planet today. Because how you practically get from waking up to saving the planet is a very daunting sort of, uh, you know, discussion to have. So I think breaking it down like that is is brilliant. I have some questions about what uh, climate change makers are doing with the Build Back Better plan and what's in it for climate. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Yep. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. It's essential to our health and well-being to get a good night's sleep. Tossing and turning all night used to make me feel exhausted the following day. But thankfully, I found Helix Sleep and I realized I had the wrong mattress for how I like to sleep. To get a best night's sleep of your life, what you do is you take the online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com dailybeans. And Helix will match your sleep preferences and body type with a mattress that's perfect for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses ideal for regulating body temperature. They have uh, mattresses that are great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And even a Helix Plus mattress for our beautiful plus-size sleepers. My quiz matched me with a Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm mattress and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. And now I wake up feeling rested and refreshed and energized for the day. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving sleep. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And they have financing options and flexible payment plans available, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. And today's show is also brought to you by Best Fiends. If you've been listening for a while, you know I'm obsessed with playing my favorite mobile game. It's called Best Fiends. I especially love playing it during the holiday season. It is a perfect pick-me-up when I need a break from the holiday action. Best Fiends is an entertaining and fun distraction from stress. I consider it part of my self-care routine. Best Fiends has it all. A captivating storyline, beautiful visuals, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. And I can't put it down. It's quite possibly the best puzzle game out there. And the best part? You don't need Wi-Fi to play it. You can play Best Fiends wherever you want with offline mode. So if your holiday travels take you off the beaten path, you can still play Best Fiends. It's my favorite mobile game because I'm always into it. It's very interesting and challenging. It keeps my brain sharp. I'm almost to level 4,000 now. But Best Fiends has literally thousands of levels with more added every day. So there's always a fresh challenge waiting for me when I need a mental pick-me-up. So download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the executive director for Climate Changemakers, Eliza Nemzer. And Eliza, before the break, I had said I wanted to talk a little bit because you had mentioned briefly the the Build Back Better legislation and the climate provisions, climate protection provisions that are in it. And then also we just passed the infrastructure bill, which has some smaller, you know, we have to get Republicans to vote for it. So it didn't have as much climate stuff in it. But to, can we talk about, we've got the infrastructure bill passed. It's done. But let's talk a little bit about what Climate Change Makers is doing. What are some of the practical applications and some of the things that we can be doing actively to get this passed and to get all of the provisions for climate that are in there to remain in there in the face of, you know, funding from fossil fuel companies and and, uh, specific senators who may or may not be bought and sold? Yes. Well, at Climate Change Makers, we've been advocating for a suite of of climate policies, a lot of them are addressed in some way or another in the Build Back Better plan. And I will say that we pushed really hard for the Clean Electricity Performance Program. It is not in there today, but this is still a really, really big and truly transformative climate bill that we need to get through the Senate. So you you mentioned the infrastructure bill that's passed. It is not a climate bill. In conjunction with the Build Back Better Act, we've got a climate bill on our hands and like a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of just this hugely uphill battle of getting something real um, kind of based in reality and science passed in the United States of America. This will be the biggest climate bill ever in U.S. history. We have now the Build Back 
Better Act has passed the U.S. House. So that's the other that's the other piece that's also occurred. And now it needs to pass the Senate. And we do have very famously have a senator from West Virginia who has is a you know supports the coal industry has a lot of constituents who work in the coal industry I don't that actually that that number is smaller than I thought it would be but it's a dying industry and you know policies need to make sure to ensure a just transition for those workers and and I've seen some polling and there are actually some unions that are very much open to transitioning to renewables jobs Manchin hasn't been a huge supporter of that so so Joe Manchin's uh, Senator Manchin's going to be yeah, it's going to be problematic to get him to vote for the Build Back Better Act, but I, I think it's still possible. I think there's a lot of negotiating that's still going to happen. Um, and then, of course, Senator Cinema is not has has not has been a bit opaque with respect to how she plans to vote, and has not been very receptive to constituent outreach. That said, the main thing to do today for folks who want to advocate is to reach out to their senators through proper constituent channels, pick up the phone, make that first ever call to your senators. There's a switchboard. I can drum up the number you can and just ask to be connected and ask them. Many of them are already supporting it. Ask them if they're doing everything in their power to negotiate and make sure that it gets across the finish line. Um, I know Biden, our, our president, is is also working hard negotiating to try to get it passed. And I don't know if we're going to get there, Allison, mm-hmm. but I really hope. And we at Climate Change Makers have been working very hard to advocate for Build Back Better. And do you have any advice for people on how to stay engaged and stay positive and stay active in the face of the sloth-like government or the, you know, the fact that some of these climate provisions might get pulled out uh, of this bill in order to get it passed? And I mean, you know, because you and I know and understand sort of the incremental baby step changes that happen and how that that can be deflating to a lot of folks who work very hard on this stuff. How do you keep people engaged and ready to keep working on to the next thing? I mean, here's the thing. Our elected leaders are less motivated to lead on climate if they don't hear from us. I mean, that's just the fact. Advocacy works. And even climate champions who have a solid environmental voting record in the House and Senate might not be prioritizing climate in the way that some of us really concerned climate. You know, for those of us who are so deeply concerned that we're losing sleep and we're worried about our kids or we're not having kids and we just kind of like, well, the snowpack's going to be gone in the Sierras in what, 25 years. And, you know, just for those of us who are really, really tuned into the climate emergency and eat, sleep and breathe it, even climate champions aren't going far enough, aren't prioritizing this enough, right? Like they have a long list of priorities that they need to deliver on. So it's up to us to be the, I can't ever find a better expression. It sounds old fashioned, but be in their bonnet. Like we need to be buzzing around and being like, yes, and climate, yes, and climate, yes, and climate. And and I would say that people often think, okay, well, the Democrats are going to be a strong vote on it. I mean, that's not true across the board. You know, I mean, and, and like all oh, the Republicans are going to be a terrible, but that's not true across the board. I mean, I'm, I really think it's not useful to talk about climate through a partisan frame. So climate change, change makers is not partisan. I think it's really important to keep that climate lens. So who's really displaying leadership? By and large, a lot of our elected leaders have a ways to go. And it's not, I mean, some of them are just don't really get it fully. Some of it don't really feel comfortable legislating, you know, writing legislation, really truly leading unless they just come from clean tech or something. So, I mean, part of the ethos of climate change makers is to ask everyone, volunteers and our elected leaders, no matter where they are, to lean in and be more of a climate change maker. And and so I would just say advocacy is so incredibly important. If they don't hear from their constituents, the incentive is less. So staying engaged is like the number one most important thing. And it can be really disheartening. So the other secret sauce is staying engaged with a community of folks who are experiencing the same way. So staying engaged and staying engaged with a community. Yeah, and that community can really hold you up when you're tired. You take the baton and fight for a while until you're able to get back into the fight. And that, I think, is why the community is so important and why organizations like yours are so important. 
Can you tell everybody how to get involved and where to get information about climate change makers? Because I think that this is such an important issue. It's I mean, it's the <laughs> yeah, I, some people say things are the issue of the of our time. But there will be no more time <laughs> if, if we don't start really leaning in on this. Yes, we would love more people to take action with us. So again, we take collective political action every single week live on Zoom, right? So this isn't just like talking about doing it. We do it every single week. And in fact, we started doing it every week back in August of 2020. So we're there every single week. And if you go to climatechangemakers.org, Everything you need to know is right there. You can click on events and get directly through to our hours of action. There's two to select from in the United States each week. We actually have a Europe chapter that organizes their own hours of action in 2022, which is an election year. And we can go there. Let's go there because we not only advocate for policies, we advocate for climate candidates as well. And we were heavy on that work last year and we will be going in heavy in the midterms as well. So we will have more hours of action to choose from come 2022. But the answer is climatechangemakers.org. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. And I appreciate the work you're doing. Eliza Nemser, PhD, Executive Director for Climate Changemakers. And congratulations on that PhD. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Thanks. We can do it now. We can make them call us doctor. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. We don't have to do that. Oh, we can. Yeah. Ever since they came after Jill Biden for calling herself a doctor, I'm like, okay, well, I'm putting it in my name now, too. So I'm with I'm with Dr. Jill Biden. (laughs) Thank you so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. Who doesn't love to live well to be perfectly at ease in comfort and in style? And Hunter Douglas can help you do that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. It might be the way the shades diffuse the harsh sunlight and cast a glow across the room or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Maybe it's the superior insulation the shades provide, which keeps your house warmer in winter and cooler in the summer, lowering your utility bills. Or is it simply that Goldilocks moment when you walk into a room and everything just feels right? And when you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy and insulation morning, noon and night. I think you'll really love the way your home looks and feels with Hunter Douglas. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort for your home throughout the day. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans today for your free style gets smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans for your free design guide. And today's show is also brought to you by Upstart. If you dread looking at your credit card statement, you're not alone. The weight of debt can be crippling, but Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. With Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan with Upstart. Over a million people have used it to consolidate high-interest debt and pay off credit cards or student loans or fund personal expenses because you get one low fixed monthly payment. Upstart looks beyond your credit score to find a better loan rate with their trusted partners by considering other factors like your income, employment history, and credit history. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score. It's a soft pull. You can do it for free in minutes for loans between one to $50,000, and you can receive your funds as fast as one business day after your loan is accepted. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. That was a great conversation with Dr. Eliza Nemzer. So good. And in case you're wondering what you can do to help, call your congressperson. Here's the number for the congressional switchboard. It's 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. That number, along with the link to a template of a script to help you, will be in the show notes. So thank you for that uh, discussion. And I mean, I just I absolutely love the way that she breaks it down into action that's crowdsourced. It's just so cool. And and it's just so good. So community based. That's just wonderful. Yeah. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, pictures, holiday pictures, recipes, we already got that NPR cranberry, (laughs) whatever it was. We need some more (laughs) cranberry relish. That was it. And people people make the shit out of that like year after year. Yeah, they make the shit out of that. They sure do. (laughs) 
So if you have anything, you can send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Our first, I'll get our first two here. And the first submission is from David. No pronouns given. I enjoyed the episode with Glenn Kirshner and his memories of Watergate brought back my own. As an editor of Southern Campus, the UCLA yearbook in 1974-1975, they were giving away old yearbooks to clear space. I chose the 1948 edition, which prominently featured Haldeman and Ehrlichman as two up-and-coming politicos from UCLA. And I was able to arrange press credentials for the Watergate hearings for a couple of days when I was a reporter for the Daily Bruin. Your guests can talk about Watergate anytime. Nice. Love the podcast. Love it. That's very cool. I had no idea Haldeman and Ehrlichman were Bruins. I didn't know they went to UCLA. Makes sense. There you go. It makes sense. Next up from they, them, Anonymous, because my mom doesn't know my pronouns and I don't want her to know because it will be a thing even though I'm 40. Not much to say other than I'm non-binary and it makes me so happy that you guys ask for and use people's pronouns. I just wish more of the public were this awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. This next one's from Annika. Annika, hope you're doing well. Hello, ladies. I usually listen to your podcast when I first wake up while still lying in bed. Still a little sleepy, but the podcast starts my day. When you started talking about Kimberly Guilfoyle and referring to her as the dancing yeller. She says she calls her Kimberly Gargoyle. Oh, she does Gargoyle. (laughs) When you started talking about Kimberly Gargoyle. Oh my God, that's funny. I see how I just popped ahead there. And just not even thinking that our listeners were funnier than I am. And referring to her as the dancing yeller. I could have fallen out of bed. Even if you switch the name around to Yelling Dancer, it's still too funny. Thanks for everything you do. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. And then we were talking about Mama Fratelli and the Toaster Strudel. That was a fun episode. It really was. Do you want to take the next one too, my friend? Sure, you got it. This is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. My good news is that as of last week, my oldest daughter and everyone else in my family who can be have been fully vaccinated or boosted. Yeah. We still have a child who is not old enough. It takes a large load off of my mind. Having lost one child to uh, to a sudden contagious illness, this gives me one less thing to be anxious about, Anonymous. I'm so sorry. Whew. As a mom who has lost a child, I do not understand how parents can gamble with the lives of their children. Right? Life already throws so many things at you as a, as a parent. Why give up the opportunity to control the risk where you can? I'm truly thankful for all the scientists and doctors that have made this modern medical miracle possible. In addition, thank you for all you do as a fellow female veteran, a liberal and a Browns fan. Oh my God. (laughs) Look at that. I always thought that I was a unicorn. Your podcast has been a blessing to me. That's the hat trick right there. Love it. As pod pet tags, here's a picture of my husband and two daughters on the last night of Hanukkah this year. Don't worry. There's a fire extinguisher nearby (laughs) and a picture of my two daughters going trick or treat for the first time. They're dressed up as Anna and Elsa. It seemed appropriate. Oh, oh! look at all those menorahs and beautiful picture. All oh, the girls and the hubby. Ugh. So, so sweet. That's just beautiful. Any picture that has the caveat, don't worry, there's a fire extinguisher nearby is going to be a good photo. It sure is. Look how cute. I know. Adorable. Adorable. I like the side pony there. I'm going to start rocking that. <laughs> Next up from Paul, pronouns he and him. Dear Allison, Dana, and Amy, my good news is that last Friday, we completed the move of our 88-year-old aunt from the house she lived in for 35 plus years into an independent living senior community. Esther is still very sharp, but crippling arthritis made it impossible for her to keep up with the old house. It's amazing the amount of stuff that can be accumulated over 35 years and how emotionally difficult it has been to get rid of things that really have no value except to her. We were able to give some stuff to Goodwill and others to charities, but we ended up junking a lot of the stuff. Esther is remarkable. Growing up during the Great Depression, the youngest and last surviving of 13 kids. Wow. Never married, always independent, working in IT since the 50s. So that had to be tough. Usually with one or two Westies, Poodles, or Maltese, Maltese Malteses, (laughs) nipping at her heels and providing temporary shelter and other assistance to several family members throughout the years, including giving her used 69 Firebird to my wife as her first car. Nice ride. As pod pet tax, I have a what the mutt attached as a picture of our niece's dog, Sugar. Oh my goodness. She's a rescue and is sweet, as her name would indicate. She's about 10 months old. She's very active with some definite herding instincts. Oh. That's for all you bring into the world. 
This is like a husky German shepherd. Terrier? What? What is this? There's... We've got the one blue eye, right? So husky has to be in it. Totally. Or, I would think or so. Or right? And I the ears scream German shepherd. Maybe lab, terrier. Where does the white come from? Samiad or, or Pyrenees, maybe? Maybe. Or maybe a white German shepherd. Let's see. Let's see. Here we go. Okay. Border collie. Oh. Nope. Great Pyrenees. There you go. Okay. Aussie. There's the herding. German shepherd and you husky. You killed this one. Ooh. I missed the two. I missed the border collie and the Aussie. Nice job. What a sweet, sweet sugar. Indeed. Oh my goodness. All, All right. right. You got the last the last one with this amazing photo. This is from Braun, pronoun she and her. Hey Laguma Laguma ladies. Oh. I wish to submit myself as an applicant for Dana's matchmaking brilliance. What? <laughs> All right. We got one. We got one. Fuck yeah. I'm early 30s. I have a cute doggo and I live in Sydney, Australia. I like other slash she and hers. Oh, that was a really cute way to say that. I'm putting myself out there and here, because usually I end up overthinking these sorts of things so much I back out. But I think our Leguminati are a good bunch. I've included a picture of me and my gorgeous floof who turns two on Saturday and his mini me Alfie, who is only a baby. I have faith in aunties of the bean. Oh my God. In aunties of the bean, AG and DG matchmaking skills. Thank you for all you do. Oh my God. First of all, (laughs) such joy, adorable picture of you, Bron. And these two pups. I love this. So you're in Australia and the uh, baby looking at the bigger dog, like I love you is like the sweetest thing. Yes. So cute. And it appears if I may, that Bron is looking for another lady as she and her or someone that identifies as such. Um, And we're going to, we're going to see how this goes. I love the confidence and I love that you did this, Bron. Like seriously, I don't know if you're looking for someone local in Australia, but Hey, you may even find a really awesome pen pal out of this. So let's do Mm -hmm. it. Sydney, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, Australia. No, I'm kidding. Oh, my God. I was like, easy, AG. <laughs> She's like, Just her number? Swimming, swimming, swimming. Oh, my God. Thank you, Bron. Thank you for that. And uh, that uh, the photo here with the with the doggos will be in the in the show notes. I think all of our photos are in our show notes. And also, again, thank you to, to Dr. Nemser. And again, your, your switchboard for... The Congress is 202-224-3121. And if you have anything you want to send to us, you can do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana. Yes, dear. Do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. You know, I don't. <laughs> it's okay. You've had some for like, for a while. So I, you know. I know. I just, there was so much news. My brain's overwhelmed. I'm actually getting ready to like get out of here and I'm going to go have some oysters and a little bubbly rosé with a friend. And that's going to be my treat for midweek. Well, I'm jealous. I want oysters and rosé. We can do that one day. We just need to get in the same city. Yeah, we need to. I'm going to try, I'm trying to set up a lunch with Adam Schiff. Oh, nice. We'll, we'll all like, I love him. Adam. When we get together, I'm going to ask him to tell you about his first time at a gay pride parade. It's one of the funniest stories. He's such oh. a good guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. That is adorable. And just a whip smart prosecutor. Indeed. And so while yes, things going on in the January 6th committee are very frustrating. I have full faith, more faith in Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin and Doug letter on that committee. Uh, than than probably anybody else in government. Yeah, so, for sure. Thank you for your final. That was a final thought. Just final so thought. That counts. Go. That works. That counts. All right. So uh, everybody have a, a great rest rest of your west of your Wednesday. Have a great west of your Wednesday. <laughs> and tomorrow uh, we will be back. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been Ag. And I've been Dg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.